Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 6 on the reason behind the worldwide flood, and we'll also learn how our hearts are like ground and how the Holy Spirit will do His job of producing good fruit in the good ground of our heart. And we hope you're enjoying these tremendous Bible studies, this great expository teaching that we're getting from Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. And we do appreciate your listenership, and we hope that you'll go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, to take advantage of some of our free resources or to go to our bookstore that's there. But we also want to make an invitation to you for 2015 to become one of our monthly supporters of Friendship with God so we can continue broadcasting on this station in your city, as well as providing the messages for free for you, the listener, on iTunes.com, SermonAudio.com, and also on our main website, FriendshipWithGod.org. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800 247 3051, and we can set you up for that. That's 800-247-3051, and that'll help continue Friendship with God airing on this station in your city and also available by podcast and MP3 download. Again, it's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 to support Friendship with God this year in 2015 with a monthly donation of any amount. Or you can donate one time online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. What would we ever do here on earth without your word? Your word, Lord, to our feet. We need your word to be a lamp. Lord, for the direction in our lives, we need your word to be the light to our path. Thank you so much for your word. This morning, Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you'd teach us your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, follow along here as I read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took of them, they took them, wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bare children of the same. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made him. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God 
And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, we come now to this portion here in Genesis, which we've already seen before, but we're looking at it again from a different angle. And the angle that we're looking at it is the angle that God wants us to look at it from, and that is, what was the reason for the flood? That's what God's purpose is. He wants us to know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, why he destroyed the earth with water. And so, we are standing now, as we read this part, on the brink of this great universal destruction of man on the earth, universal flood, the judgment of the world, the great flood that destroyed every man on earth, except for those small number, just those eight that were saved. We saw last week how that when we walk on the earth, when we walk on the face of the earth, we are walking on billions of fossils. And these billions of fossils, we can imagine that they're speaking to us in unison. We can hear them as they're speaking and they're saying to us, I want you never to forget that God judged this earth. I want you always to remember that though God is a God of love, and He is, And though there's plenteous mercy and grace with God, and there is mercy and grace to be found with God, nevertheless, God is a God of judgment. And there is a limit to His mercy. There is a limit. And that limit was reached when He said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And what happened? The great flood. And what are the fossils saying to us? They're telling us God is a God of judgment, not to be pushed, not to call the bluff of God, because he judged and he sent the whole world into a watery grave. God wants everybody to know not only that there was a flood judgment, but as we said last week, that amongst all those billions of fossils, conspicuous by its absence is a fossil of man. No one's ever found a fossil of man. And that's important because there we're getting at not just that there was a flood, but now what's the reason for the flood? Why did the flood come? There's no fossil of man. And God said in this passage, I will destroy man from off the face of the earth. And sure enough, we do not find a fossil of man on the face of the earth. So we need to understand the reason for the flood judgment. And God started this by giving us a very, very important insight, which we covered, and that was Genesis 6-3, when the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, from those words, we come to understand that within the believer, within the Christian, within the person who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, within you, within every Christian, within me, there are two forces at work. One God calls my spirit. Who is this? My spirit. This is the spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit. Paul calls him, and sometimes from his names we get wonderful insights as to who he is. And in Romans 8, 2, here's what Paul said. For the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So he's called the spirit of life. He's the spirit of life. My spirit, the spirit of life. Isn't that wonderful? What a wonderful name for God. He's the spirit of life. You remember back when we studied earlier that after God had Yatsard, he'd formed man out of the dust of the earth, that it says he breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. So God is the spirit, not of death, he's the spirit of life. When we come to the God, we come to him for life. When he sends to him himself the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of life. God is about life. It's so wonderful that he has this title, the spirit of life. Paul also called him in 2 Corinthians 3, 3 with these words, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, written by us, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with, and here's the title, the Spirit of the living God. He said that the believers were written by the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. A wonderful title for the Holy Spirit. Also, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God. Any believer, any Christian, any child of God has within him the Spirit of God dwelling in him. How do we know? Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell or live in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. So here's the big question on the table. Here's the question. The question is this. What does the Spirit of God do inside of us? When he lives within us, what does he do inside of us? The Bible answers that question with a very interesting word to describe what the Spirit of God does, what the Spirit of life does, what the Spirit of the living God does inside of us. And he answers that, and it's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And it reads like this, But the fruit, there's the word, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What does the Spirit of the living God do inside of the believers, inside of us? He yields fruit. He yields fruit. That means that the Spirit of life, or the Holy Spirit in us, He's like a tree. He's like a vine. And as a tree and as a vine, he's yielding fruit inside of us. Fruit that doesn't come from us. Fruit that comes from him. And what is the fruit that he's yielding inside of us? It's the fruit of love. The fruit of joy. The fruit of peace. The fruit of long-suffering. The fruit of gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But, let's say that when we take a real good look in the mirror of our lives and we're really honest with ourselves and we, and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, honestly speaking, the way I just treated my spouse, I just don't see a life of love. And we take a look in the mirror and we say, you know, the way I'm so anxious, I'm so uptight, I feel like I just could just melt into a pool here. I just don't see a life of joy and peace. I was just on the freeway. 
Oh, that slow driver. The way I just cut off that slow driver on the freeway. I don't see a life of patience in me. Or the way I just just let myself get so easily provoked, I just flew off the handle. I said words I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. I never should have said that. I never should have done that. And when I take a look back on myself and I just say to myself, I just don't see a life of gentleness and goodness, meekness, self-control. That last bit of bad news that I heard when my heart just sunk and I just said, oh no, what am I going to do now? I just don't see in me a life of confident faith in God that he's going to make it all come out for good. So here's the question. When we don't see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't see love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Does that mean that we don't have the Holy Spirit in us? Does that mean that we're not believers? Well, to answer this question, let me do it with an example. And we have an orange tree. If you come to our house, I'll show you a special orange tree in our backyard. And this orange tree in our backyard has been there ever since we moved into our house 25 years ago. I remember we never had an orange tree before, and and this orange tree just gave us wonderful oranges. And I thought, oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. I really enjoyed those oranges. But being the farmer that I am from West Los Angeles, where I actually thought that tomatoes grew on trees, I just figured that the tree was just going to yield those great oranges every year. So what did I do to make sure it happened? Absolutely nothing. I didn't do anything for the tree except to just sit there and wait for those great oranges to come. Now, I didn't know anything about growing oranges other than just had to go to the tree and pick the oranges. I never did anything I didn't know. I never worked the ground. I never watered. I never fertilized it. I never fed it with minerals. What did I know? And so what happened? The tree stopped yielding the oranges. I feel cheated. I've been cheated by the tree. What happened? Why did it stop yielding the oranges? And what I was ready to do? I was ready to take the tree out. I was ready to pull that tree out and replace it. But my wise gardening wife comes along, and she really did know about gardening and farming and all these things. And everybody knows about this because she's from Ohio. and Everybody in Ohio has a garden. So I know how to find a good wife that fills in the big holes in my life, and so that was her, so she comes along. And so when I was complaining about the tree to her, and I was saying, you know, we need to replace the tree, she told me, there's nothing wrong with the tree. And I said, what do you mean there's nothing wrong with the tree? Look at it, it stopped giving you oranges. And she said, well, look at the ground underneath it. Look at the ground that the tree is planted in. I said, yeah, what? And she says, look, the ground's dry. Why? It's not watered. You didn't do anything to water the tree. She said, look at it. She said, look at all the weeds in the ground growing underneath the tree. You didn't take the weeds out. It's not been fed with minerals. What do you think is happening? No water. The weeds are stealing what little nutrients it have. You're not feeding it. That's why you didn't get the oranges. Well, I wasn't sure she was right. What did I know? But, you know, she came from Ohio. I come from West Los Angeles. So what could I say? So I said, okay, we'll give your way a try. 
So I go out there, I, we work and make sure that the tree all around has got good ground to grow in. So we go and, and oh, I made a basin around, oh, such a basin I made around the tree. You could have taken a bath in that basin. It was a nice basin. I made sure that once a week, I did what she said, the deep root watering, not just watering, but the deep root watering, fill up the basin. And then I go out on a weed patrol and we get those weeds up right down to the roots. And so we got all that under control. And then you go there and fertilize the, to the ground and mineralize the ground, put the mineralize on and did all these things. So I just had to wait. And, and I remember getting anxious about it and going out there to the tree and wondering, was she right? Did she really know what she was talking about? Is this unfruitful tree that was fruitful, is it really going to come back and be fruitful again? And it took patience. It took a lot of patience. It took a whole season of waiting. I couldn't believe it. It took so much patience. I'm not good at patience. I'm kind of like the, the doctor who's going out of business. He's losing his patience. And I was losing my patience. Well, after a while, sure enough, that same tree that had stopped yielding fruit, returned and started to bring fruit again. And the oranges came. And I learned a lesson from that. And I knew every year I know that I am in the as long as routine. What does it mean, as long as routine? It means that as long as I do my job taking care of the soil of the tree, that then the tree will do its job of making those great oranges. That was amazing to me. That was amazing to me. I mean, and whenever I thought about that tree, I think of how I wanted to yank the tree out. I mean, I go out there and I think to myself, you know, I wanted to pull this good tree out of the ground and replace it with a little tree. Why? This is my ignorance. That was my problem. Because I didn't realize the problem was with me. The problem was not with the tree. Now, when I go out there and I think about those things and I come to the tree and I practically apologize to the tree and and say, you know, I'm really sorry because it was never a problem with the tree. And if you come on over to my house, I'll show you the tree. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. The earth also was corrupt before God, And the earth was filled with violence. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. As long as I do my job taking care of the soil of the tree, 
that then the tree will do its job. What made the difference between fruitfulness and non-fruitfulness in that tree? Did the tree have to be replaced with a better tree to get? No. It was the same tree that yielded fruit one year, and the same tree did not yield the fruit another year, and the same tree returned. The tree was always good. The same tree had the capacity to yield or not to yield fruit every year. The capacity never changed for the tree. What determined whether or not there was going to be fruit on that tree was whether or not I did my job of working the ground that the tree was planted in. When I worked to make sure that the ground of that tree was watered with the deep root watering, was fed with the minerals and the fertilizer and kept free of the competing weeds, then the same tree yielded fruit. It turned around. Neglect the ground, no fruit. Work the ground, fruit. Neglect the work, no fruit. Work, fruit. Just that simple. Just that simple. I determine the fruitfulness of that tree by the work that I invest or don't invest into the ground. Not the tree, it's me. All determined by whether or not I put in the work on the ground the tree is planted in to water it, to feed it, to pull the weeds. The issue is never the tree. The issue is the ground the tree is planted in. It's all about the ground, not the tree. That's exactly, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about when he said, and please turn to this, Luke 8.15. is in this passage here, in Luke 8.15, he says something very interesting, very revealing. He says, but that on the good ground are they. Keep that in mind. The ground are the people. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. He said that our hearts, we are like the ground, are like ground. Color our hearts the ground. In other words, he said that the ground of my fruit tree, my orange tree, is like our hearts. And the orange tree is like the Holy Spirit like the Spirit of God. And so what he was saying was that when we have ground, hard ground, that is, as he described, honest and good. That's like an honest and good heart. And then he said that just like when my orange tree is planted in good ground, I don't have to worry about whether or not the tree is going to yield fruit. The tree will do its job. I just need patience. And when the Holy Spirit is planted in the good ground in a Christian of an honest and a good heart, no one has to worry about whether or not the Holy Spirit is going to yield its fruit. The Holy Spirit will do its job of producing fruit. We determine whether or not the Holy Spirit will yield fruit in our lives. If my orange tree does not yield fruit, it's because I haven't put the work into the ground that it's planted in. And if there's no fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it's because we have not put the work 
into the heart ground the Holy Spirit has planted himself in. Wonderful expository teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. You can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. If you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program, we'd like you to support this Old Testament teaching radio Bible teaching program. And you can do so by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor uh, teaches so well the Old Testament. He's just a master teacher of the Old Testament, the life of Abraham. We've been studying lately in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, and the Jewish people started with Abraham. Uh, Tom Cantor himself, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants you and others to reach the lost Jewish people of this nation and this world. Now, to do so, he's established Israel Restoration Ministries. He's the founder of this Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. We have full-time missionaries, part-time missionaries, and volunteers like you that help us in reaching the lost Jewish people in our cities and our neighborhoods. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or get Jewish evangelism materials to give to lost Jewish people that you know for free, you can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also go online to israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org for free Jewish evangelism materials and information on how you can reach lost Jewish people, including how to receive the Jewish Messiah as your Savior. Find that plan of salvation online at israelrestoration.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 